1: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein.
2: Everybody, welcome back to the Sixer Sense Podcast. The Sixers are up 2-0 in this series. For this podcast, we have a very special guest, Ethan Smith, site expert of the Wiz of
3: Oz. Ethan, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Excited to uh, break down this series, although it hasn't gone quite as well as we we would have hoped here in D.C.
4: Yeah, Ethan, we really appreciate you coming on, and we're, we're excited to talk some playoff basketball.
2: Of course, we still have Chris as co-host here, and then we have Uriah, our producer. And, uh, yeah, Chris, go ahead and take us into it, man. We're just
4: going to jump right in with Game 2.
2: That was a 120-95 to 95 victory for the Sixers.
4: We now take a pretty commanding 2-0 series lead, as you mentioned, Lucas, on the road to D.C. Ethan, we're going to go to you first. Let's just compare the star players in this game. We can go with the Sixers, who had pretty strong nights from Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And obviously, you have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, who had two very different nights for Washington. What are some of your thoughts on how the stars have played so far this series, and specifically in Game 2?
3: Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the good for the Wizards. Is Brad has looked pretty solid for us. I mean, he's had 33 uh, points in both games. There was a little worry about him being banged up with the hamstring coming into this series. So uh, it's been encouraging to see him go off. Unfortunately, <laughs> Russ has not been himself, obviously. Um, he was he was bad in game one and then even worse in game two. Um, unfortunately, leaving with that ankle injury, hoping for the best for him, but game 2 is what 2 for 10 from the field over 3 from from 3 so that's never going to cut never going to cut it when he's supposed to be you know the second guy next to Brad Brad's played well Russ hasn't for the Wizards um and then I think what what we're seeing with the Sixers is just the reliability of having two or three really top line guys in Ben Simmons and Bead and Harris and it's just too much firepower i mean one or two of them is going to get there's every night, and we can we can only do so much to try and stop them.
2: Yeah, you make some really good points, Ethan. Uh, for the Sixers end, uh, you know, I honestly thought it was a modest game from Joel. I mean, I know that he played only 26 minutes, which 22 points in 26 minutes is fantastic, but we've seen him go off for more. But in the same sense, we he didn't need to because ben, ben showed up for those fans, and we even had some writers here, myself included, and I know my article might have seemed that way but it was not that way that are frustrated with Ben's production in game one, you know, game two, he was just like, "Now let me show you guys what I can do against these small guards. And we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. (laughs) But, um, and he, he bullied his way and that's what fans want to see from Ben. We want to see an aggressive Ben and we got that. And that was great. Tobias got his, and, uh, you know, we'll talk more about the bench players later, but you know, Good stuff all around. I don't have any major complaints. Uh, Beal's going to get his. I thought Ben did a decent job on him, considering it's Bradley Beal, who's the second-leading scorer in the NBA this season and was the first-leading scorer last year. Yeah, no, Ben did as as good of a job as you could.
4: Yeah, Ethan, going back to Beal, I've been been super impressed with him personally. I mean, I've been impressed all season, obviously, as Lucas said, 31.3 points a game, number two score in the NBA. Clearly very talented, but, you know, with the playoff defense ratcheted up, his hamstring, which I, I think was pretty clearly bothering him as recently as the play-in tournament, to see him do what he's been doing against two, of arguably the two most impactful perimeter defenders in the league, maybe, and Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul, he hasn't really been phased much individually. As you said, it's unfortunate that Washington really hasn't given him much help to speak of, but I, I've been super impressed with Beal. And, and as you said, Lucas, Joel and Ben were both great that game. I, I think Joel was maybe more impressive than you made it out to be. He had some really great transition finishes. Um, obviously, that one celebration under the rim that has been just <laughs> gifted into oblivion <laughs> at this point. Um, it's the best and, celebration in the NBA, Chris. Don't lie. It's the best one. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And <laughs> that's what they need more of out of Ben Simmons. Um. I I don't really care much about the jump shot conversation. I'm in the same boat as Doc Rivers, but he does need to be ideally more aggressive going to the basket, looking for his own shot inside, especially when he's facing a team. He had a, he cool. had a
2: fadeaway jumper in that game, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but it's from like five feet, but yeah. Okay, but Um, it counts, it counts. But yeah, I know, I get what you're saying.
4: But Yeah, look, Washington doesn't have anyone with the size and physicality to match him, and it's, it's nice to see him take advantage of that. And Ethan, we can just go on and talk about the role players now. Obviously, Philadelphia's bench is a bit of a mixed bag. That's been the case all season. It has certainly been the case this series. I think the bench was pretty actively bad for stretches of game two until kind of that third, fourth quarter stretch where Tyrese Maxey came in and they kind of, you know, um, shut the door on any chance of a Washington comeback. Um, how do you feel about the Sixers bench so far, and how is the Wizards supporting cast kind of stacked up with Philadelphia's?
3: It ha- hasn't stacked up, I think would be the, sh- <laughs> the short answer. Um, I've been really impressed with uh, Matisse Daibou, especially in game two. He really took away, like, all of Dallas Berton's space, The few times that um, he was able to get a shot up, uh, doing pretty much next to nothing in Game Two, Um, you know, zero zero points and six fouls in twenty three minutes. Um, Yeah, the Wizards' bench really hasn't been there. Um, You know, Daniel Gafford has been quietly efficient offensively, but he's been like food for Embiid on the defensive end. So hard to get excited about that. But they're just really not – they're no match for the depth that Philadelphia obviously has. I mean, the shooters that you guys have in in Danny Green and Curry can't match that firepower. And then, like I said, the perimeter defense from guys like Dybul has just been pretty stifling. So I've been super impressed with what the Sixers have been able to do and super disappointed with what the Wizards have not been able to do, I guess.
2: Yeah, you bring up some really good points. And let me touch on the Wizards first. I like the three-man rotation at center. You're not going to stop Joel, but they're efficient scorers. They can rebound the ball. And the one thing that I will say, I'm surprised we're not seeing more of Robin Lopez. He's the best interior defender that you have out of the three, and you're not throwing him at a beat. He only played 10 minutes. He had four points and two fouls. I don't understand that. Can Can you elaborate that to me, why
3: that is? I, I wish I could. They actually seem to kind of go to Lopez um, down in the block with that surprisingly Weird. reliable hook shot. When the yeah, offense it's, it's, it's the
2: ugliest hook shot that I've ever seen, but it's efficient, <laughs> so I'll give
3: them that. It's, it's it's ridiculous, but it goes in. I love to see it every time. I've I've grown to love it, but yeah, the the three center rotation. I'm with you. It does seem to work, but the way that uh, Brooks allocates those minutes is kind of a guessing game night in and night out. I I think Robin Lopez is kind of that bigger body old school center that could give him problems. And we saw a glimpse of it in game one, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they didn't go back to it in game two. I mean, it
2: makes no no sense to me. I know that B will smoke him outside the paint, but inside, you take it away at least inside the paint from Joel or make it difficult for him. I mean, that, that would make sense to me. Gafford's still young and raw and doesn't know how to play interior defense at the NBA level. And Len is a bust. I mean, he's he's a good stopgap center, good second, third string skit mm-hmm. center. But, you know, he's not. I mean, he's big. Lopez is your best bet. I don't understand it. That's just on Brooks.
1: Breaking news, Sixers fans. This public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your family jewels are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer so different than other trimmers? First, a new multi function on off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Next, the optimized Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscape.com. That's FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast.
2: And hey, we talked about this before we got on the podcast, but can you elaborate to all the Sixers fans that used to love
3: Neto, like Chris? Um, why is he in the starting lineup? Hard to uh, justify at this point after the they kind of decimated those smaller guards in game two. But Neto has has actually been pretty solid uh, for the Wizards this season, especially on the defensive end. And I think that's what Brooks was trying to get out of him. I think if Denny Abijo was healthy, we would be seeing him in the starting lineup. He was kind of in and out of the starting lineup all season and would be... A wing defender with some length that could bother the Sixers, and also has, uh, I mean, obviously more ability to uh, play make on the offensive end than anyone they're putting out there now. I don't, I don't think he would have changed the results of either of the first two games or ultimately the series, but uh, he would have probably pushed Neto out of the starting lineup.
2: Okay, fair enough. I, I don't want to take too much time, but. Can we just get Maxi to take Shake Milton's minutes in this series? Because that, that needs to happen. We love Shake Milton here at the podcast, but clearly Maxi's ready for the playoffs. Shake's what for whatever reason it looks like it's mental. To be honest with you guys, but he's not ready. He showed that in the first two games. Maxi needs those minutes. Let's just admit it and just move on from it from there. Corkman's um, looked great after a bad game one. He bounced back, thirteen points and sixteen minutes, pretty solid. I will say this, Dwight has struggled against that three-center rotation. It, he has struggled a little bit. I mean, he had 11 rebounds, but four points on inefficient shooting and four fouls in 16 minutes. I mean, we expect more from Dwight. Curry's had an up-and-down series. Harris got his, no surprise there. And actually, I wrote about this before the series began, Ethan. I want your thoughts. I honestly had Tobias versus Rui as one of the biggest matchups for this series, because I really thought Tobias was going to take him to town in game one. We saw exactly that.
3: No, that was a matchup that we actually highlighted on Wiz of Oz as well. Um, and t- t- Tobias has had the better of Rui in the first two games. There's no doubt about it.
2: I will say that Rui has been efficient scoring, but defensively, you know, Rui has all the skills to be a really good defender. Is it just the coaching or player development that stunted that, in your opinion, or what?
3: I mean, he's had to, had to deal with the same issues as, as everyone else, but the first year and a half have been weird with the stop and starts uh, because of COVID. Like, it's just been a strange first two seasons for him, which I think hasn't helped. Um, he seems to just sometimes be, like, out of position on, on plays – for no real, like no real reason, I, I'm he. He does seem to have all the tools. He doesn't seem to be able to put them together on a consistent basis.
2: I think that will get fixed in the long run. But let's go ahead. Just one quick point
4: before we move on, uh, Matisse. We're talking about role players. Thibault had five steal, five blocks. Pardon me, and four steals in game two. Joins a list of eight NBA players to do that since 1983 in the playoffs. That list includes Hakeem Olajuwon, Ben Wallace, Draymond Green, Scottie Pippen, Kevin Garnett, Chris Webber, Kawhi Leonard, and Matisse Thibault In 19 minutes and 55 seconds, Thibel's the first to do it off the bench. Uh, I know this is Uriah's music. He's probably doing like a happy dance behind the keyboard right now. Really promising stuff from Matisse. I I hope we see more of it before this series ends. But just pretty stellar stuff from a a second-year wing.
2: Chris, let me let me ask you this: If we redrafted his the class of twenty, was it twenty nineteen? Would Matisse be a top five pick in that draft now? Yeah,
4: I mean, I I don't know because he's still a non-shooter himself who defenses can
2: ignore. I think it's a pretty tough I, it. I think it's fair to say that he's knocking on that door if he's not there yet. What door? Like the starting being a, uh, No, 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 no. Um, yes, that too. But I was saying being a potential top five pick in a redraft here.
1: Hey, when you make it to first take and you get praised by not only Stephen A. Smith, but Max Kellerman, you're doing something right. And the answer is yes, Lucas, he will be a top five pick. And all right, that's my Matisse ringing, singing right now.
4: All right, all right, but okay. Top, we top we, ten, I'm good with, but I, 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 mean, I don't have the draft class in front of me, but I, I don't know yeah. if top five is. Yeah, that's great. an off-season. Don't know if I go that, that
2: or, or hey, you know what? I'm, I'm you know, what? I'm gonna write about it. I'm gonna write about it this week. It's happening, guys. But anyway, let's go ahead and shift gears. And we're gonna talk about the thoughts about the series coming up ahead. So, Ethan, do you think the Wizards have a shot of making this a series? What do you think has to happen for the Wizards to make this a possible series
3: with the Sixers? Yes, yeah, so I think first and foremost, if Westbrook's ankle is going to be anything more than a minor issue moving forward, then it's pretty much a wrap. Oh, that's a bad pun.
2: That's a bad pun. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bad pun. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to. Continue, though.
3: Either way, I mean, I think we've seen through the first two games that the Sixers are definitely a better team. I mean, there's a, there's a reason they're the top seeded team in the East, and and the Wizards came in as the eighth seed. Um, despite that crazy run they made at the end of the season, like they're they're probably seated about where they belong. The one kind of silver lining of a quick series would it would be it hopefully seal uh, Scott Brooks' fate as this being his last season in Washington. Which I think a lot of fans would would really enjoy uh, something fresh on the sidelines. So it wouldn't all be bad news if we went home a little earlier than expected. But I really don't I really don't see this one uh, getting too competitive, unfortunately.
2: If you guys do fire Scott Brooks, hire Sam Cassell because he deserves the job and he worked for you guys for a long time as an assistant. He deserves the job. That's all I'm going to say for now. I agree with
4: you, Ethan. I I really don't see this being much of a series, especially if Westbrook is hurt at all. Um, Hopefully he's not, obviously. I I would want to see this be a full-strength battle. But um, Washington just doesn't have the size and perimeter defense to handle Philadelphia's two perimeter stars in Tobias and Ben. They, They really don't have the personnel to stop Joel, despite the collection of big bodies down low that we've mentioned it's really just pretty much a top-to-bottom mismatch. Um, Maybe, you know, Bradley Beal can win him a game at home. I I predicted this to be a five-game series before it started. I certainly think there's a chance that Washington steals one. But unless something pretty drastic happens, I I, I think this is pretty clearly going to go to Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, like you guys said, health is a big thing. Unless um, unless Will Westbrook comes back, is angry about the popcorn which we'll talk about later this this is this is not gonna be a series if they have a chance to steal any game
3: it's gonna be game three but
2: i just don't see it happening
3: yeah i think it's kind of a wake-up call for or hopefully for the wizards um just to show like how, how great that divide is kind of between where they are right now and where the top teams in the east are um you know, Beal and Westbrook can only take you so far. So there's obviously some work to be done this offseason.
2: I will say this: Westbrook and Beal do work together. I honestly yeah. think this is probably one of the best pairings in terms of talent outside of Kevin Durant and Westbrook. You know, this is probably his best partner in crime that that has worked together so well. Because him and Harden, him and Harden didn't work that well together. Him and Paul until, George, him and Paul George were pretty pretty nice together. I mean, they were nice, but I, I think Beal's a better player than George. Ooh, well, I, I disagree. George was a oh. top three MVP. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. To oh, Ethan, thoughts. Ethan, thoughts. Who's better, Bradley Beal or Paul George Go?
4: It's close. It's- Bradley Bradley
2: Beal. Okay. I agree. I, it's
4: close. I certainly, there's an argument for Beal. This obviously. season, Chris, this season. Who this is, season, gonna... Paul George is on my all-NBA team, and Bradley's not. But that is also well, a bit that's, controversial. That's where me and you differed on that podcast, because I had Beal and not Paul George. Yeah, they're both tremendous players. It, it's really not worth chopping it up. But we, we can move on now and talk about kind of the state of this Washington team, Ethan. Went into the season with some pretty high expectations. Obviously, you swapped John Wall for Russell Westbrook with a pretty clear goal of making it to the playoffs and taking that next step. There's been a lot of buzz about Bradley Beal's future with the team, even though he seems pretty insistent on on staying at the moment. What do you think happens next year? Let's assume the Sixers win the series, which it seems we all agree is probably going to happen. You mentioned Scott Brooks is maybe on the hot seat you see Beal staying content for much longer? Do you think he maybe demands a trade or he plays out the rest of his contract? How do, how do you see Beal's future playing out in Washington?
3: I don't see him asking for a trade. I mean, he's been pretty loyal through the last couple seasons, which I think if there was ever a time to make a trade, it would have been then. I mean, he's, gonna, he's eligible for the Supermax if he gets the All-NBA nod this season. So I think... He's holding out hope for for that. And he's he's said, you know, at every possible turn that he wants to stay with the organization. I mean, you can take those comments with a grain of salt if you want. Um, but I really do think he's he wants to be a wizard for as long as possible. But that kind of the handicaps the team a bit. He's, you know, already a big uh number on the books and then if he gets the super max even bigger they're they're dealing with Russ for another two seasons of uh over 40 million a season so between the two of them they got a lot of money wrapped up and it's it's gonna be tough to team build around that they're really gonna have to bank on uh, either packaging some of the guys they have with trade value for for a big splash player or really, Hitting on some of these recent draft picks and the upcoming pick, um, it's, it's kind of a weird situation they're in, banking on that that duo taking them to high places, but not really having the the supporting cast to help get them there.
2: You make some really great points. I think this is what needs to happen in order for we'll be able to want to stay in Washington. They need to get rid of Scott Brooks. You know, he's a solid, he's a average NBA coach. I mean, he's gotten to an uh, NBA Finals with a young trio of superstars, but there was a reason why he was let go in OKC, and he's supported one of the worst defenses in his in the NBA since taking over the Wizards. That's not all but his fault because the front office has not been grading, giving him defensive players. But at the same time, you got to do better. It's a defense's mindset, first and foremost. That being said, besides changing the head coach, you have to hit on this draft pick, or you have to trade it for... Well, you can't trade it for an elite player, but you'd have to trade it plus either Aviat or Hachimura for, or Gafford and or Gafford for a, a third star. Though, honestly... With the way that Westbrook and Beal play, you probably want a low-usage star, so maybe like a four or five. I don't think Bryant or Hachimura are going to be an all-star in their career. So if you can get an all-star big, go for it. Um, Outside of that, just give them a better supporting cast. There's no way that Neto – and I said this last year. Neto is not a starting or second-unit guard. He's a third-string guard that you can – call on when you need them but you shouldn't need them that often
3: yeah I think Scott Brooks has to go for better or for worse I mean I'm a, I'm a little uh worrisome he's you know he's got a good relationship with Beal and a good relationship with Westbrook and, and part of that is he kind of lets them do it what, do whatever they want on the court um for better or for worse so um let's hope they're not just trying to keep the stars happy but trying to make the team better as well
2: I do like Tommy Shepard as a GM. I think he, he has a smart head on his shoulders. I just think he didn't have too much to work with. I mean, if you have the with the Thomas Bryan injury, you had to go look at the scrap heaps and you made a guy like Alex Lynn who played his way out of the uh Toronto Raptors come on in and have him starting for you guys. I mean it's it's an issue there, but you know what? Lynn has actually looked like a solid, you know, rotational big. So Give Brooks credit on turning him around a little bit, but at the same token, there's a reason why the the Wizards don't have a good defense, and Len is part of that. He's he's a big body, but he doesn't know defensive rotations. I covered the Suns. Uh, I was a tight expert of the Suns, Ethan, before I came over to the Sixers, and I covered them when uh, Len was there. He does not know his defensive rotations at all. So I'm sure you've seen. Uh, yeah, uh, I can attest to that. He's not a he. He does not have a high... Uh, motor or IQ when it comes to the defensive end and offensively he's just too inconsistent so um, but yeah no I think there's some changes that need to happen for sure but there is a chance he stays like you said Ethan
4: um, with, with the Brooks situation and the lack of a, a quality supporting cast it feels at least from the outside looking in that the onus is really on the front office at this point whether you like Tommy Shepard or not like Lucas said, I mean, there's just not much around them. You know, there's a lot of money tied up in Beal Westbrook, but they have to find ways to put better players around them. Hopefully, you know, Rui and Avdia can take a step forward, you know, next season. I think those are two really promising young players. So they're, they're not starting from scratch, but... They, they do just need to give Beal more because he, as you said, is committed to this team. He's been extremely loyal, you know, up there with like the Lillards and Curries of the world in terms of loyalty so far. And they just haven't really rewarded that. They made an effort to with the Westbrook trade. We'll we'll talk about Russ in a second here, but they, they do need to give him more. So let, let's just talk about Westbrook now. Two years left on his contract. He's making over 40 million a season. Maybe starting to reach the tail end of his prime. Obviously, he ended this season quite well, averaged another triple-double. Not a bad season at all by any means, but he has struggled the last couple of postseasons, has been especially bad this series. What do you think the Westbrook situation is like in Washington? What's his fit with the team, and and how do you move forward there?
3: I think he's a good fit. Uh, I think Lucas touched on it that him and Beal are, make a good pair. Um, once they kind of got their chemistry down towards the middle of the season, they, they were really, uh, really cooking. But I think my concern with Westbrook is, you know, when he was healthy this season, he looked great. But at this point in his career, you know, can he ever really hold up for a full season and a full uh, playoff run? Um, he's got a ton of miles. I mean, he plays like a destructive style of basketball. And that's when he's at his best. So kind of to ask him to change that, I'm not sure if that's the Westbrook you want. Um, But I I think, unfortunately, with this contract, they're kind of stuck with this for better or for worse. Hopefully, Westbrook can stay healthy for the majority of that time. But uh, I'm not super confident that he can.
2: So you bring up some good points. I want to touch on a few others. Is Westbrook... Worth his max contract, debatable. But let's be real; he's going to be a Hall first battle Hall of Famer. He's still in his prime, like Chris said, even maybe at the tail end, but he's still in it. Here's how I see it: with a play like Russ, you have to play five out. Right now, the Wizards don't have a center that can really stretch the floor. Ryan can kind of do it when he's healthy, but he's not like a he's not a Brook Lopez. He's not like a Chris Bosh type of you know. Stretch five. You need to get that. If you're going to keep this duo together, which, as you said, money-wise, it's pretty hard to move them. I mean, we had to give up a first-round pick to move Al Horford, so we get it. Um, <laughs> and we're kind of stuck with Tobias uh, Harris's contract, so like, yet again, we get it. It's possible to make it work with Westbrook. You're not going to be able to trade him, so you have to build the roster around him and Beal. If you have a five-out roster where you have your stretch five center, then it can work. Finding a high-quality stretch five that can play both ends of the court is tricky. Um, I think Bryant can do it. He's not a high volume. Maybe he needs to get better at that high volume, but it's possible. I think you can make it work. Um, His health is a big concern because the last two seasons he wasn't healthy to begin the year. This ankle injury could—I don't think this one's going to linger so he should be healthy entering next year, which means the Wizards should be able to start the season off running, which is good. And to be clear, if I if they played like this, like they did in the beginning of the year, even though they were if they were if they weren't ravaged by COVID and Westbrook was healthy and they played like the second half of the season for the full year, my preseason prediction of them being in the top six of the East would have been correct. And I think that's That's possible if you have the right roster built around him. So, a healthy Thomas Bryant, a healthy Westbrook, you know, maybe get some more stretch bigs. But it's possible to make that roster work for sure.
4: Yeah, Lucas, I mean, I'll I'll answer your question. I don't think Westbrook is a $41 million player at this point in his career. Very few players are. I think there's a reason Houston's only real out was to trade him for another bad contract. Um, it, it's a tough situation for Washington financially. Um, you know, you can build a competitive playoff level team. They, they they're probably better than the eight seed, like you said, if they're healthy. There's a chance they can move up to six or seven if they put some better wings around them and can start bringing the defense up a bit. Then yeah, you can build a pretty decent team. But it, it is certainly a tough, tough situation financially. And Ethan, just. Looking forward for this team, you're the eight seed this year. Obviously, COVID was a problem early in the year. You finish the season winning 18 of your last 25, make the postseason. What's the overall feel of the fan base when it comes to the Wizards franchise? How do you see things panning out moving forward? Just just what are the vibes around the team right now?
3: So the vibes are mixed. Um, I think the the success they had at the end of the season – um, it's it's hard to be upset about that. Even fans who wanted them to tank, I think, were pleasantly surprised by by the good basketball they were able to put together. As we've touched on, like there's not a lot of confidence in Scott Brooks. Uh, people are kind of split on Tommy Shepard. Uh, he's made some good moves, some not so good moves. You know how high is the Russ uh, Bradley Beal ceiling? So I think there's maybe some cautious optimism um, but heavy on the caution and a little lighter on the optimism I I tend to agree with Lucas that if we had seen kind of this version of the Wizards team all year they'd be more of a top 6 team than fighting in the play-in but we didn't and and this is kind of what we're left with I think the Gafford uh, pickup is huge moving forward Mm -hmm. he seems to really work well with uh, Russ So, so there's some pieces that to be excited about, but there's also a reason to think, you know, are we just kind of treading water in the middle? Uh, not really going anywhere.
2: Well, to, to answer that question. Yeah. You guys are treading in the water it, it is what it is. The money's tied up. You're, you're going to lose some of your draft picks to the, to the rockets. Cause you had to offload.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. First for John.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're losing some first, so you're not going to be able to build through the draft. You guys are going to be shorthanded, you know, Team building wise, in the future, in the next couple years, so you have to hit on this draft pick here this year. What is it? The 2023 pick, and was it just that one, or was it the 2023 Yeah, the
3: first pick? in uh, 2023, and John Wall for Russell Westbrook. That was the okay. Swap.
2: Okay, so you're only losing one pick, but still, that's that's not ideal. Um, you know, could you guys end up being like the fourth seed if you guys have a great season and everybody stays healthy and you hit on these picks? Sure.
3: Best case scenario. Yeah, best, best case, scenario. case scenario.
2: But, but I, I see them peaking more around a six seed. I mean, and we don't know how much longer Russ has in his prime, which is a major question mark. Because um, if he if he should, comes into next season can't do what he does, triple double wise, he doesn't really. If he loses his athleticism, that's it. He's done. Because he's the most athletic point guard in NBA history. But if he loses that, he does not have shooting. To fall back on he does not he doesn't have it could he still be a good backup point guard on a on a championship team if he loses his athleticism sure but he's not a starting point guard on a playoff team if he loses that athleticism it's just not going to happen Oh well, yeah I, I just i kind of want to build off of that we've talked about
4: the contract situation we, we've talked about westbrook maybe being on the downturn a bit Ethan, like, do do we really think the Wizards can take advantage of Bradley Beal's prime with the amount of money that they've tied up in Westbrook? They don't have, as we've mentioned, a great supporting cast right now. But how do they get the pieces around him to really take advantage of that? Like, what's the future there?
3: Yeah, that's kind of been the question that's hovered around the Wizards for the last couple of seasons, right? And you're kind of left with, like, do you want to blow it up because beal and russ can be competitive i mean they might not win you um a championship but only one team wins a championship and can you realistically be competing for that every year and what they have now i'm not sure they'd want to blow it up i, I agree with you they're kind of wasting Beal's. they're not kind of wasting Beal's prime and to, to to a large degree they are wasting his prime but not creating like a real championship caliber team around him but I'm not sure if this team is really any better if you if you blow it up.
2: Well let me let me ask you this. If the Sixers came to to the Wizards and asked what would you want for Beal, what would you ask for?
3: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>
2: Joel's off the table.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would probably try and get at the very least, you know, Thibel and Simmons and, and maybe some other Assets thrown in there, and you know we we give you something else besides Beal to even it out. Uh, That is zero
2: shooting with Russell Westbrook. Just the
4: yeah. Okay. I I like the Ben Russ thing is tough because if you the Wizards incentive to make that trade is it's just not high if you're gonna waste two years of Ben next to Russ.
3: Well, that's the thing. You're not probably gonna be able to trade Russ and Beal, right? So if you're if you're trading Beal, you're still got Russ on the roster and then how much can you really rebuild when you got a, a $47 million point guard?
2: There are b- other bad contracts very... in the NBA that you could trade them for. There are other bad deals. Who? Uh, Horford. Why would Why would OKC do that?
1: Yeah.
4: Re, uh, Russ doesn't want to be in OKC. Horford is a much better contract and probably more tradable by a pretty large degree. Maybe Kemba Walker if uh, Boston gets desperate? Kemba's... Kimba's on the same level as Russ. Frankly, he's a better fit there. I, I, like, why would they do that? It's—I I just don't see. I, I, I'm, I mean,
2: I'm just saying the the money's there to. I mean, do we really think that Washington would swap Wall for Westbrook
3: before it happened? I didn't. Right. Yeah. Nothing's nothing's untradable. There's always a possibility it could move. It, it's it's going to be difficult, I think, for them to really move. Both Russ and Beal, and kind of have the assets that you would need to really create something moving forward. I, I could see them getting a lot of pieces back, but it, it's a it's a weird, weird place they're in.
2: Yeah. Let's go ahead and switch gears. Now we're not going to talk so much about the game, but we're going to talk about what happened in the arena. As most listeners know, uh, Russell Westbrook injured his ankle, and as he was walking down the tunnel, a, a Sixers fan. Dump popcorn on him. The resulting action from Russ was, of course, he wanted to go up into the stands and give the fan the business. But, of course, security stopped him. And uh, this was not the only incident that happened that night. At uh, the Knicks-Hawks game, uh, Knicks fans literally spit on Trey Young. That fan has also been—his season tickets have also been revoked, and he has had an indefinite ban from that—from— Uh, Madison Square Garden as well so gentlemen let me ask you this how upset should Russell Westbrook feel about that fan pouring popcorn on him
3: I mean he has every right to be to be pretty pissed um I think I think the reaction the moment was probably uh fueled by a lot of different things frustration with the injury frustration with the game but I mean I don't blame him at all for trying to get up (laughs) trying to get up there and throw hands with the fans um it's just shows, you know, a level of disrespect just because he's wearing uh, the quote unquote wrong jersey doesn't doesn't mean you should treat him like that. So I I think he's got every right to be pissed off. We're having a Trey Young a little bit worse, obviously, on, on the sliding scale of disrespect. But, um, yeah, both of them unacceptable.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's It's a crappy look for that fan. And unfortunately, it's been made out to be a pretty crappy look for Philly fans. So I don't think we should extrapolate that and apply that to everything that's really just one yeah fact.
3: it's an isolated incident i, it's, I agree it's Chris.
4: one idiot being an idiot but westbrook has every right to be upset this isn't the first time he's had to deal with you know rude and, and, and rude fans crappy fans um
2: uh, you, uh yeah, utah yeah.
4: yeah utah athletes are in a, a weird position you know they're on a big stage they're sandwiched between tens of thousands of people. They aren't in a place where they're allowed to retaliate. Westbrook said it himself that if, you know, that fan wouldn't come up to him on the street and pour popcorn because he, the result would be different. Westbrook is in a place where he's not allowed to retaliate. So it's really just an unfortunate situation. He has every right to be upset. As you said, Lucas, a really bad night for fans overall. Obviously, the New York incident in Utah, three play, three fans were kicked out and banned indefinitely for saying, apparently vulgar and racist stuff to john moran's family so he had five fans banned in one night just not a great look all around people just need to use their head be better people you know just like like it's sports it's not that serious so
2: yeah fans listeners we're still in a civilized society act civilized when you're in an arena that does not give you permission to act like barbarians that being said let me point out a few things here the Philly fan and the and the um, New York Knicks fan, they should have ch- legal charges brought up against them because what they did was assault. Granted, popcorn is not going to hurt you, but you throwing something or dumping something on somebody legally is termed as an assault charge, and spitting on somebody legally is battery. So, let's and be spitting that- on
4: someone during a global pandemic is even worse it's just exactly. it's all around a very crappy thing to do it, it's mm-hmm. unacceptable yeah.
2: and, and i, I and people. i watched and i and I, i'm
4: not
1: gonna lie i watched first take
2: this morning i watched first take between one of my breaks at work and you know Stephen a smith said something similar to what i just said but i also want to bring up this molly rose kieran rose said this Basically, this seems to only happen to black athletes. This is not happened to the white NBA players, but this is only happening to the black NBA players, which is a problem. And I don't know if it's these people are inherently racist. Well, obviously, the Utah people are because this is multiple instances with Utah fans. Um, but it, it, it's a disturbing trend well, to say the least. Yeah. And, and, It needs to be fixed one way or another. And I'm, you know what? I don't condone people that like curse at the players or like, even like, I don't I don't condone flipping it, but you know, you're not going to get kicked out of arena, you know, flipping them to the bird. You know, you're not going to get kicked out of an arena for that, but it is fandom. But at the same time, like don't throw stuff at people. Don't spit on people. Don't call them racial slurs or anything else in between. Like that's, that's crossing the line. People do better.
4: Yeah, and like I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that Utah people are, are racist. I'm not like, saying all, again, all, of them are. I'm these not are isolated incidents,
2: are. but I, well, I, I do Utah's think is not isolated point. though, Chris. Utah's not isolated. Well, they, Westbrook, Westbrook I, has I, was called racial slurs at yes, Utah. But I to like, that, the whole fan base. I don't I'm think that's an umbrella that's, that should
4: hang over all of Utah fans. But okay. it is obviously it's, an issue in that stadium that they need to get a handle
2: on. The crazy thing the is this: that the owner has addressed it to that stadium in games past, and it's still an issue. So, it, it's, I agree. It's, I'm not it's, saying I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying the fans as a whole are, but there's a trendy, a scary trend that's showing that it might be a, a big portion of that
4: fan base. Which yeah, I mean, look, we can tie this into the stuff Kyrie has said about not wanting to face subtle racism in Boston, too. Oh, well,
2: well, Boston as a city is very
4: racist. Yeah, I I know. But this is, broadly speaking, yes, as Molly has said, I, I do think it's an issue that the NBA has to take seriously. Whatever, I don't know, specific measures that can really be put in place to, you know, protect players from
2: fans. But I think we as a fan base, and this kind of brings me to my next question, what should the NBA do, and how how do you think you think the NBA is worried about it, and how do you think the NBA should address it? Ethan, you, you can go first. I have my my solution, but I want to hear yours first.
3: Yeah, I think I think first of all, what they did with the fans and um, in the incidences last night, they did the right thing by you know indefinite bans, revoking um, season ticket memberships. I think you kind of need to take it a step further and maybe institute some level of like fining um for fans kind of hurt them in their pockets i'm not sure how much further than that i would take it uh but i i don't know i saw some weird things floating around twitter like putting up you know glass like they have at hockey arenas i'm not sure they need to go that far well Uh, the glass
2: is for the fans protection not for yeah
3: yeah yeah but uh maybe reverse it for the nba who knows Mm -hmm.
2: well i definitely would say no to that but chris do you have any
3: thoughts
4: yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, like, a specific plan laid out. I, I mean, I think the general obvious thing is to just make the consequences more severe. We've seen indefinite bans. We've seen season tickets revoked. Like, like keep upping the ante. Like, these fans shouldn't be allowed back in arenas, probably, period. So, they just need to make the consequences clear. They need to, to just be really crack down on this stuff it, it is a pretty pervasive issues fans get too much in their feelings pretty regularly and they need to control that so yeah just just severe consequences
2: is, is i think the way to go i uh, also so i will say this for the fans that say like racist or derogatory terms and either like race or sexuality or whatever i think the lifetime ban you know or the indefinite ban with the revoke of season tickets that's fine for that level of it but for you know, play, fans that assault players either with food or with um or with you know bodily fluids or whatever, they need. I think the league should support players in taking legal action against these fans. That's just my personal belief. I think the NBA should be more than willing to support players if they want to take you know because they were assaulted. It's as simple as that. I think well, players. I, should have, I did read I, it. I,
4: Trey Young chose not to press charges on the fan that that spit at him, so I, I do think that's really
2: an individual choice for the players. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, this is still an individual choice. I'm but not I agree. To
1: say that
2: it was not. Uri, it is it is your time of the podcast. Take it over, bud.
1: Yeah, sure. This midweek poll question it was actually brought to our attention by Lucas earlier in the podcast, so we put out there on the Sixer Sense Twitter site and obviously Facebook. And the question was who should tyrese maxey overtake in the playoff rotation and the options were furkan corkmaz shake milton other and then the last option was he just should not he shouldn't uh, be in the playoff rotation so out of almost 600 votes 42% of sixers sense fans or followers sorry uh, chose shake milton he has been playing the best guys. You've seen it. And then 38% say Furcon Korkmaz, 9% say other, and 11% say that he should not be in the rotation. So let's go to our, our guest, Ethan. Yeah, I don't know how many Sixers games you've watched, but you saw the game the other night.
3: What do you think? Um, I think if you guys gave uh, Maxi some of Ben Simmons' minutes, I think that would be fine.
1: Yeah, I would
3: really like to see how that plays out. I think that, that could do wonders for you guys. There's yeah, no I bias, bet, bet you, no bias you in would. that response. No <laughs> bias there.
2: No bias.
3: No, none at all. Um, on a more serious note, I think I think the fans got it right um, from the limited bit I've seen.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with the fans. Uh, Chris, I'll let, I'll let you wrap it up so that you can do our outro too. But yeah, no, I agree with the fans as well. I think it should be Shake Milton. I said that at the beginning of the pod. Um, Shake just looks like he has no confidence, which is crazy considering that last season he played with nothing but confidence. Um, the three-point shot has been shaky all season long, and it's his shooting has gotten even worse. He's never been a quick, twitch, explosive guard, which has always limited his upside, and with Teams focusing more on defense in the playoffs. It's really hurt him uh, with the with the lack of shooting now in his game. He doesn't provide too much because he's not great defensively. He's and maybe an average playmaker at the combo guard at best. So it has to be shaken because Maxi looks ready for the the role. He's hitting his shots. He's eating. He's hitting his outside shots, which is great. And he can't. He's a quick twitch athlete, which the Sixers have sorely missed since I don't even know the last player that I would say besides Allen Iverson, maybe Lou Williams, but I don't even know if that's a fair comp, but um yeah, no, they, they need, they need Tyrese Maxey and shake Milton should be the odd man out.
4: Yeah, I, I agree too. I already took this pun to Twitter, so it's a bit old, but you know, it's time to shake things up. It It's yes. really past time I, to do that. Um, I
2: love that pun, by the way, and the maximize. Yeah, thank you. Yes. yes. Um,
4: But yeah, look, shake has been kind of a dumpster fire all season, especially in these two playoff games. It's just not working out. I I don't know what specifically is wrong with him. I I don't know what has changed from last season to this season. I I do think maybe just generally we set expectations too high. Pretty much anything looked better than Al Horford last year, so maybe that's (laughs) it. Maybe he just was never that good. But (laughs) But yeah, look, I mean, Shake has been a really tough watch these two games. The Wizards' defense, if they have shut down one player, it's been Shake Milton. Um, he, he just can't seem to dribble or do anything with the ball at this point. Maxi has been consistently good the last third of the season. He's been, he, he had 10 points and three blocks in 13 minutes in game two. He's doing it on the defensive end now, which was not the case when the season started. He has made so much improvement over the course of just one year. I think he is absolutely deserved, you know, is absolutely deserving of playing time. He adds a dynamic to the offense that no one else on the roster can really replicate. It, I mean, it, it's time for Maxie to to play some ball. So, yeah, just take, I, shake out, keep in for his shooting, and, and
2: roll with it. I will say this, Chris, that, um, I remember, I don't know who, I think it was Noah, but Noah Levick of NBCS Philly. But um, somebody tweeted out that he has been picking uh, Matisse's brain about defenses. So, yeah, hey, I mean, you know what? The dude has been watching a ton of film and working yeah. really hard to improve all around. So, three, what was it, three blocks in the last game? So, yeah, no, he's, he can be special. He, he's not going to be as special as Matisse, but gosh. He can be a menace on that side of the ball, too. Imagine if you got Maxi playing above-average defense, too, along with that core. That would be fantastic in the future. But, yeah. I think, Chris, it's uh, time for uh, you to play us out,
3: man.
4: Yeah. Um, Ethan, thanks so much for, for coming on. We really appreciate
3: it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I had a great time. Uh, hopefully, things can go a little bit better for my Wizards here in the next couple games, but we'll see.
2: I'll yep. be praying for a good offseason.
3: me too too.
2: yeah we we will definitely
4: see for all our listeners you can read Ethan's work over at Wiz of Oz that's W-I-Z-O-F-A-W-E-S dot com you can follow them on Twitter at that very same handle you can follow Ethan at Ethan underscore Dougie do that go read all their work they do some great stuff over there especially for this series I think it's great to have both teams perspective so so go check out the site and ethan hopefully we can maybe get you on in the future if we ever have some uh sixers wizard stuff to talk about
3: yeah i'd be happy
2: maybe, to a, maybe a bradley beale trade to you know <laughs> there we uh, go
3: uh, maybe hopefully not. <laughs> if it happens I'll, I'll give you guys the breakdown okay sounds good all right yeah thanks man and
4: to all our listeners thanks again for tuning in to yet another episode of the six Sense podcast please leave us a review give us a rating let us know your thoughts let us know what you want us to talk about we, we really do appreciate your insight and you just giving us the time of week to talk sixers and we will be back in the very near future with some more playoff basketball to talk about some more exciting guests and topics so just continue to tune in thanks everyone